0: Hello, my name is Hari Chaudhary, and welcome to Critical Plug, a podcast that has, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've uploaded, but today we're going to be talking with uh, Mr. Walter Bound or Mr. Bound if you want to call.
1: Hey, if, great to be here. It's, uh, you know.
0: Yeah. So um, today we're just going to, you know, just talk about some... Chit-chat. Yeah, just just talk random stuff, I guess. Not random Surfing stuff. Sure tea yeah sure um so the first topic i like to talk about is public speaking public speaking you you describe public speaking as a lost art correct it is yes yeah so basically how would you what advice would you give to uh our generation i guess people who are kind of a timid or nervous uh, to kind of public speak what would you say to them on how to get better at public speaking it's
1: just practice it's just uh, learning how to control your body uh, facial features um, your posture your poise watching your ums eye contact I mean it's all part of how you present yourself And if you present yourself in a way that conveys confidence and conviction, well, that's gonna come through. Um, And I think many teachers do public speaking. Uh, It depends on the, the, the class, especially English is conducive to that. I think more teachers could do public speaking in all different subjects, not just English. It can be in math. It can be in science. Why is the science teacher always doing the presentation? Maybe you flip the classroom and have the student teach about Mm -hmm. moles or something. So uh, there's all different types of ways and reasons why public speaking is so important. For job interviews, for speeches that you have to make uh, at at work, uh, it comes in frequently and a lot of professionals seek help because they're not good at public speaking and it could limit promotions and things like that.
0: Yeah. Um how would you what would you say or what would you what would you say to a person who is willing to kind of practice public speaking? How would you say, "Okay, do this." To practice public speaking? Like, would you say just keep going in front of crowds and just speaking? Or? I wouldn't
1: say, you know, you, you, that's a little difficult. I mean, going in front of crowds, you know, kind of strange. If You could do this, let's say if you're in Speaker's Corner in London on a Sunday morning at Hyde Park Corner, you can get a soapbox and just stand up and just start speaking. I mean, yeah. but if you did that at Eastern High School, you know, people are going to like be like, what the heck's going on here i'll give you an example though uh, when i was teaching uh public speaking at rowan i took my class outside it was a nice day so we went outside let's leave the classroom and i was speaking and there were kids crossing the commons and walking to class or walking back to their dorm and there were quite a few kids that heard me speak and were like whoa this is interesting and they were asking me can i can i can i listen i'm like yeah, of course, you know, that's the idea that you you want to draw a crowd, you want to, what you're saying should be interesting and enlightening or whatever and you draw people, so it was interesting to get people who weren't even in the class to want to listen to what I had to say and they listen and then of course they have to move on um, but what you could do to practice is just record yourself, I don't know how mm-hmm. many teachers and how many people I've talked to in, in, in talking about flipping the classroom, they don't like the sound of their voice.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, that's the sound of your voice. How can you change it? So you can record yourself, listen to yourself, and then make adjustments. You can uh, videotape yourself and then critique yourself. So in class, I have you guys videotape yourselves and then critique because I think it's very important. That's self-assessment. So you can see how you're coming across And how you can control your body, control your hands, making sure they're not in your pockets, that every gesture has a reason for it being, not just because you're nervous and you just have crazy hands, that you are looking at people, not above people or not to the sides because oftentimes you think you're making eye contact, but really you're just looking at the ceiling. So doing all of these things, it's a lot of components to it. And it it is an art form. It's like writing. It's like... Uh, speaking. I mean, it's like writing, it's like reading. It's, it's all three of them are very, very important. Um, and then this uh, guy who I learned a lot from, Professor Hale, he was the one that said it's this lost art that was so popular in ancient Greece and Rome and it was popular in Lincoln's time and it was popular, well, in the 19th century, Lincoln's time, Whitman's time. But this kind of public oratory has kind of fell to the wayside. And the only time we really get involved in the debate is these presidential debates and they're not real debates they're they're just like sham debates that's not it's not what the greeks or the romans would be familiar with
0: is it in ancient greece is that one story where uh i forgot his name but where he put marbles in his mouth oh that's demosthenes of athens yeah yeah demosthenes
1: of athens wanted to be a great public speaker. But he had a lisp, he was not very effective, so he did self-training. He would put marbles in his mouth to try to enunciate. And then once you take the marbles out, if you can enunciate with marbles in your mouth, then you could speak clearly when you have no marbles. He would go... It's Greece, so he would go to the ocean and try to speak above the ocean. He would go with actors. Uh, in ancient Greece, of course, there's no microphone system. Yeah. So they would have to project on stage. They would have to reach the back. So he would learn to project. He would he would run up a mountain with the athletes because you need lung power. Yeah. Uh, when you're speaking for a long time, that takes a lot of energy. So he believed in cross-training, the idea that you have to do what actors do, what athletes do. And and also more and also have like an effective message, because you can be stylistically fantastic, but your message and what you have to say is kind of not all that effective. And that's where the rhetoric comes in. That's where the different devices and how you use, say, logos and ethos and um, syllogisms yeah. comes into play.
0: So it's all wrapped together. Um, yeah. So, moving on, uh, have you been reading the news regarding the SAT? Uh I,
1: yes. I involved the news with SAT. Yeah.
0: Um. Did you see that they incorporated, or they will now incorporate an adversity score?
1: I did. It? I did see. I did read about that. Yeah. That um, you know, if you come from a low-income district. Or you haven't had access to travel and art and art museums that they'll have uh, that type of score in there.
0: Yeah. That, what I found surprising about that was that they had that whole concept in beta testing for the whole entirety of 2018, but they just didn't tell any of of the people who were taking the SAT because what i heard from another uh teacher is that uh say like a kid in haddonfield for example or um some kid in a um a kind of lower not lower i'm not gonna say that but like in a lower town area Mm -hmm. than Voorhees, for example yeah and the aspects of like their town aren't as you know privileged as what we are um you're better off taking the ACT than than the SAT because they have a chance of getting into college higher chance than you which i found that pretty interesting
1: so what do you think do you like this idea of an adversity score or do you think it's just the SAT is just a rich man's test that if you pay enough money to a tutor you're almost guaranteed higher scores but if you come from a low income school you it's you know it's like It's hard enough for you to pay for the test, let alone pay for tutors for the test. So what do you think? Do you think it's a good idea?
0: I'm kind of on the fence with it because there's also – like here it's kind of easy to say because from speaking to a lot of people, they'll get like an SAT study guide from the college board, like this huge, like a 1,000-page book, and they'll just do the practice test in there and they'll just do it – do it alone and then they'll get a perfect score on it they'll do it for two weeks and they'll get like a fifteen sixty on it and then I'll talk to um one of my dad's friends uh sons he uh he's in um a different town from here I forgot what it was but um he he can do the book just fine and he can also get a good score so that's where I'm kind of on the fence it's like if it's selective to towards like specific people um it's just how you know the brain works i right. guess and and,
1: and then what you're dealing with is with the different districts is that the when you look at the scores from the best schools in New Jersey uh, it's like West Windsor Princeton of course those scores are high you know because they're wealthy districts right. they can afford the taxes to pay for the goods, you know, to pay teachers more to have the technology. Uh, they have professionals who've been through college and graduate school. And so it's, they have the resources there. They have, they have more money, they have more things for computers, they have computers and the technology. Um, so, regardless of tutoring and prep, they, the poor districts just don't have the resources to pay teachers. I once interviewed, uh, when I was looking at jobs, at Glassboro, and Glassboro flat out told me, you have a master's degree, we can't afford anyone with a master's degree. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, um, that's a shame, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And that's that's a true story. Um, So I'm fortunate to teach at Eastern. However, we have to also recognize, you know, There's a lot of resources here for kids to do well, right? Whether kids take advantage of those resources, Uh it's up to them um, and their motivation. But, you know, and it's the caliber of the classes. You know, one AP class here could be a very different AP class at another school where here they're doing X, Y, and Z and another, you know, it's called AP, but they just might be, you know, watching movies all the time.
0: That's they could true. have an A in
1: that AP class. But, you know, um, at another school, you're doing a lot more work. Yeah. And so that's where the SAT comes into play. says, okay, this is just f- across the board. Um, and it doesn't really matter what level you take or what your English class or math class was like. Here's just a s- across-the-board test, which kind of levels the playing field a little bit. But still, it's a gameable system. Yeah. And I think it's just it's used too much. And that's why you have so many schools, I think there's over 800 schools now, that are making it test optional or not even using it uh, because they find statistically it does, it's not a very good indicator of success of that of that student at that institution.
0: What I found a little um, humorous in an article that I read on the adversity score on the SAT was that the CEO of the college board, he said that We've just begun to realize that high school students, um, there are high school students that perform like better in their normal act or activities, their general curriculum, than doing good on the SAT. That there's students that are, you know, smart, but they don't get a good score on the SAT. Right. There's a very good funny. story
1: by Isaac Asimov called um, What is Intelligence? And he says... By all the tests he's taken, he has a very high IQ and he's a genius. And he says, "But what is intelligence? And he says he was telling the story about he was talking to his mechanic who would have scored low on these types of intelligence tests or ACT tests. And then he gives an example. The mechanic tells him a story and he says, how would I do this? He asks a question. And then Isaac Asimov, overthinking it, tells the, the exact wrong answer. And then the mechanic gives him the right answer, which makes him look stupid. The mechanic has a different type of intelligence than Isaac Asimov. And our culture tends to reward only those who have a certain type of intelligence, who do well on test, designed by people who have done well on test. So emotional intelligence, all these other tactile learners I'm one of those tactile learners. I never did well on standardized tests. Did it hold me back? Absolutely not. I got into college, I did well in college, went to grad school, did well in grad school. Um, but ask me to memorize a bunch of things and focus on something for hours and hours and hours that I'm not interested in, that's not me. Right? And it's a lot of kids and it's a lot of people. So there are other ways of measuring. And I have kids that have scored very high on the SAT that if I was a boss, I would not hire these kids because there's so many other factors that are negative to them regardless of the score. No employer is ever going to ask you what your SAT score is. No employer will ever do that. Nor would a date or a potential girlfriend or boyfriend. Well, I'd date you, but what's your SAT score? I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. Um, What is it about you as a person that would appeal to me as a potential employee, that's what's important. Um, And it's not even sometimes your GPA, it's like your soft skills, your people skills, handshakes, eye contact, personality, charisma, willing to roll up your sleeves, work up the ladder. Once you're done a job, asking me, what else do you have for me to do? I mean, I'd hire a kid who has average intelligence, who has gusto and drive versus a kid that's just naturally brilliant and smart, scores very high on the SAT, but is lazy and just does what he needs to do or she needs to do to get the grade. I mean, I think anyone, any employer would say the same thing, who they would hire. And I think colleges are beginning to wise up to that. Um, Most colleges, the elite colleges, I don't think they'll ever wise up. Um, And I think it's ironic that Ben Franklin, who was a self-made man, Um, is, you know, the founder of Penn, and Penn is one of these schools that, you know, eh, has that kind of elitist attitude where you have to do X, Y, and Z and jump through a bunch of hoops uh, to prove you're worthy Uh, when Ben Franklin was a self-made man and uh, I think he would come back and question a lot of what some of these elite institutions claim to be and because they they avoid a, a big part of the country and the types of skills that people have that schools don't recognize because you could be a mathematician genius but because you didn't score 800 on the english version like okay you're a math genius why do you need to have 800 sat scores in english well it's just what we need here and vice versa you could be a novelist but score 400 out of 800 on the math version so why do these schools need you to have perfect scores on you know everything it's and it creates this mania this anxiety that causes a lot of people to be miserable and why are we forcing kids to be miserable um it's a very good question i don't know why we're forcing kids to be miserable jump through these uh hoops if it doesn't make them happy and it doesn't lead to their you know like they don't find out what they what they're good at and (laughs) what they want to do in life
0: relating to that what do, you, what do you think on parent involvement with this whole SAT thing and school in general? Do you think parents should be pushing their kids to, to you know, try really, 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 really Again, hard at Again, it,
1: it depends on the kid. Uh, some kids need more direction. Uh, some kids are self-motivated already. Uh, my mom, my goodness, she just allowed me to kind of do whatever I kind of wanted to do. Um, and for that I'm grateful uh, she wasn't on me I know my own kids, my own daughters I've never checked power school I've never checked power grade ever I have no idea what it is uh, you know, because I just knew they were they're the, masters of their own destiny um, yes, did I know they're going to do pretty well yeah, I knew they were going to do pretty well I didn't really need to be on them uh, would I be upset with a C no, not at all would I be upset with a D well, did I get D's in school yeah, of course I did did it hold me back from getting where I wanted to get to? No, it did not. Uh, this idea of perfection creates, again, this type of, like, it's how can you be perfect? You know, yeah. God's perfect, uh, you're not perfect, and if you say you, you wanna be, then that's blasphemy, if you, if you joke around about it. Wow. Uh, but I think oftentimes we need to let kids become adult, handle matters on their own, with the professor, with the teacher because once a kid is in college the parent is not calling that professor. No. When that kid becomes an employee at 22, 23, 26, 27, mommy is not calling the boss and saying how come my kid doesn't have a better office. You know, no. um, and so there is this thing called helicopter parents who come in and rescue the kid. Now these these uh, now there's something called lawnmower parents where they just mow things down. No. They'll just like They'll just, like, bulldoze in, in order to help their kid. Now, it's all the idea of helping the kid, but how much is it helping and how much is it enabling? Yeah. All right. uh, it's the enabling, which is – it could be problematic.
0: Yeah. Um, I know you are very high on history, as uh, Mr. Thompson would like to put it. High on history. Yes. Yeah. Love history. So, U.S. history especially. Oh, uh, U.S. history especially. Ooh, who's your favorite president?
1: I would... Uh, to say Lincoln is cliche. I really liked... I mean, I've, I've read a lot of biographies. Uh, Roosevelt, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, I liked a lot. Now, again, his jingoism, his rough rider. I mean, there's a lot of things that make me today just kind of question. I'm like, okay, but in his in his time period, what I liked about Teddy is that he was... Not very healthy as a kid. Uh, he had asthma problems, but he was so self-disciplined, and he just did what needed to be done to get healthy. Um, and he took the initiative. Um, he was in college and he published writings. He was a naturalist. You know, picture can, uh, presidential candidates today writing books in college. Can you even picture that? All right. Uh-huh. So he was he he wasn't self made he was he came from money but he made he took where he was limited and he and he made the best advantage to that and he just climbed up well you know being uh, mayor, uh police police uh commissioner in New York and then and then governor in Albany um and his environmental record of course I yeah. you know as a conservative I love the idea of you know conserving nature um, and our resources, which is a lesson that, you know, we need to relearn. Um, but Roosevelt's a good one. I like Roosevelt a lot. You know, Adams, I liked Adams. and know he had a, a difficult presidency. Um, I, I, and of course, Washington as our first president. I learned a lot about Ron, uh, from Ron Chernow's biography. Um, and yeah, but uh, as far as I would say the most successful was uh, polk even though he only had four years many things i disagreed with but man everything that he promised he got so okay. i wouldn't say he's my favorite i think a, a lot of historians say he was probably the most successful because of what he promised and what he delivered on um lincoln though has a soft spot you know he wasn't perfect uh, a lot of history books omit things about lincoln And there's a lot of presidents that uh, we can look to and admire um, and understand. Uh, Grant, I just finished reading uh, uh, the biography on Grant. Uh, Although his cabinet was corrupt, Grant was not corrupt. He had a soft spot and he had a blind spot for people because he just trusted people way too much, including the person that made him bankrupt and many of his friends bankrupt. Um, And it took Mark Twain to rescue him get a better deal for his book deal that actually saved him. So Mark Twain saved uh, uh, Ulysses S. Grant. So Grant's another person I have a, a lot of admiration for um, because he had, he had it rough. He had it very rough. But again, that self-reliant streak, that kind of I'm going to make my own success, um, uh, that, that, that strikes a chord in me.
0: It also follows with what today is gonna follow your own path, follow your own destiny. You know, make your own life. Right. Really did. Um, I'm gonna do this quickly because you know we're. uh, I know you have to be somewhere, but uh, what is? You like music a lot.
1: Tons! I love music. Oh my god!
0: I could talk about music for hours. What is? This is a challenging question. Challenging, go. What is your favorite? Uh, Don't
1: don't. That's that's the worst question you can ask. I'm gonna give you. Don't say favorite. Because if you said, who's your favorite daughter? Can I answer that? No. What's your favorite because, moment of life? No, I can't do that. Is it the time I got married? Is it the time that Mal was born? I, 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 there's no favorite. Okay. Okay. I'll if I were to pick a favorite band, I have to go with the Beatles. Yeah. That's just default. Yeah. Right. Have I listened to the Beatles in the last three weeks? It came on the radio once. I listened to it. I have all their albums, like on album. All their CDs, all their movies. I can sing every single Beatles song. Every, you know, and don't challenge me on that, but I can. All right. So they're up there. But do I need to listen to them all the time now? No, because they're just part of my DNA.
0: Yeah.
1: So not to, not to jump your question, but besides favorite band. What about top five albums? Top five albums of all time. All time. Clash London Calling. Clash London Calling. Okay. One of the top. Um, I probably, even though Sgt. Pepper is on there, I might want to move Sgt. Pepper. Rubber Soul, I think, is a better album musically. Even Abbey Road, I think, is better. Song for Song. I think Abbey Road, I think Sgt. Pepper, there are songs in Sgt. Pepper that are okay, but because it's part of a unit, they become better when it's all part of the unit. But Song for Song, I think rubber Soul, uh Abbey Road can can trump uh Sergeant Pepper. But Sergeant Pepper, of course, is up there. Um God, um I love Bright Eyes, um, Wide Awake It's Morning. I love uh Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, Wilco. Um what are some other oh uh Dark Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd, uh Who's Next from the Who? Mm-hmm. Zeppelin Four is amazing. That's a good Physical Graffiti all. is amazing. Again, Trying to limit them into, like, if I had to take five albums to, like, Caribbean Island. Yeah. Um, that'd be a tough one. That'd be very yeah. tough. Uh, White Stripes, uh, Elephant is amazing. Um, lots of good music out there. Uh, and a lot of good albums. I mean, these are albums that I can listen to. Jimi Hendrix Experience, listen to the whole thing. Isn't There's not a bad, you know, these are albums that where there's not a bad song on them. Uh, The Cars' first album, Boston's first album. These are amazing albums. Now, now I think it's this is about like you know it's about the hit, it's about the single, it's not about the album.
0: Yeah, that's what I would say too. Um, my favorite album by The Beatles is Revolver. Revolver's great album, super album. Eleanor Rigby is probably my favorite. Great.
1: It's really it's one of the first songs about that used uh, orchestra uh, with with the strings. And they're talking about social matters. 1966, Pivotal, uh, it was a transition album to Sgt. Pepper. They started experimenting with some psychedelic stuff, let's just say. Uh, And then their last song on that album, um, Tomorrow Never Knows, is the transition to the psychedelic era when he's talking about the Book of the Dead and about, you know, and it's, it's, it's a trippy song. But it really is, I think, the pathway to the psychedelic era of 1967. Um, and that's like the canary that's like, or like the messenger that is predicting, uh, telling us what's going to happen and it's going to be radical. But that album is amazing. Revolver yeah. is an amazing
0: album. Yeah. Um, last topic. What do you or like no, about Revolver? No, what do you like about it? Um... Just the creative aspect of it. I just like, I just like the sounds. Yellow Submarine is a really good song. Mm-hmm. Too that you
1: actually like the Yellow Submarine.
0: Yeah, I I, I really? think it's pretty catchy. Um, oh, it's catchy. Yeah,
1: Ringo song. Yeah. Okay. Um, you want to sing it with me or no? <laughs>
0: um. In the maybe.
1: town where I was born. Good. May- go maybe live, another time. Live. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <No, no, no. laughs> okay, okay challenge denied I've
0: only a, a couple times I've heard it only a couple times okay get on, get on. I read. have I have a couple Elvis vinyl records okay my dad likes Frank Sinatra a lot
1: very good okay very good yeah
0: that's about it that's all he listens to the Rat
1: Pack to. you should listen a little bit more to the Rat Pack Dean Martin and that crew Sammy Davis Jr. now I listen oh actually you should listen to watch some of the films like Oceans the, the original Oceans and uh, the Rat Pack Look up some of the Rat Pack movies Good good stuff You know what's good about it 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 reminds This might be sexist But it reminds how men can be gentlemen again Not sexist, not pigs Just being a decent man Treating people decently Treating women with respect um, And just being a good buddy That's what I like about the Rat Pack Was there like 1950s machismo Of course and were they perfect people? Of course not. Yeah. But there was a, there was a style, of Humphrey Bogart in that black and white, and it's just it's I don't know, it's just that lost that lost thing that I see. Yeah. That's maybe nostalgic or maybe you know um, a dinosaur, but it's something that I always look to in my grandfather uh, from that generation that I think is missing today, especially in politics and especially in our national our, 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 our national discourse.
0: Yeah. Speaking of uh, movies earlier, five, top five this time. So top I five movies. Yeah, of all time. Of all time. Don't mistake this. This, this is okay. this is crucial.
1: Casablanca.
0: Okay. Humphrey Bogart. All
1: right. Fantastic, fantastic movie. Um, uh, I am a big sucker for uh, Citizen Kane. I, and a lot of a lot of people hate on that, but it is uh-huh. as as a, as a as a film guy, love it. Um, of course, Star Wars, the first, Star, one, yeah, the first one, yeah, first one, Phantom Menace, seventy-seven, eighty, eighty-three, the only ones that matter, the originals.
0: Now it's the, everything getting, else I, is is, is dead getting,
1: to me, yeah, really. Monty um, Python, Holy Grail, mm. Life of Brian, hilarious,
0: yeah.
1: Young Frankenstein, hilarious. Um, uh, there's so many good ones. Uh, uh, what's another? Uh, High Noon, love High Noon. Um, I love Psycho. And uh, what's now? Oh, Doctor Strangelove, Stanley Kubrick, amazing. Clockwork Orange, oh, oh that's, crazy. Uh, that's, yeah, Cra- that's get crazy parent permission movie. on that one. That one's that one's yeah. a, that one's a horror show. Yeah. But yeah, um, I could probably list a hundred great movies of all time, and yeah. there's a list. Yeah, there's a list. But those are my those are my. Uh, Borat, I gotta put Borat that's on there. No, yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, my wife hates one. it. I love it. Uh, but that's okay. We're different.
0: Yeah. You like any crime? Crime, Godfather, Godfather, Good like fellows. Godfather,
1: like those, like those. Never seen like you know, like The Sopranos. Never saw that, but Almost yeah, I, I have seen, I have seen those. Uh, those. They're not yeah. my go tos, though. They're not my go tos. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, and the last, last, last thing, in a sentence, is there any type of advice you would be able to give? our to our generation Ooh. on how to stay motivated. How to stay motivated.
1: My daughter Madeline once said that people who smoke a lot of pot makes them okay with boredom. No. Okay, so what I would do, regardless of how what you think about marijuana, I mean yeah. alcohol's legal. It doesn't mean that you go out and you drink a case of beer every day. That's just crazy. You're gonna be an alcoholic, you're yeah. gonna lose your job, uh-huh. you know, you need to stay sane. Um, find out, find out what makes you happy. Where's your bliss? Right. For me, my bliss is talking literature, talking writing, doing public speaking, having fun with kids. You know, let's 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 do some improv today. Let's 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 do some public speaking. To me, that's fun. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, that was exhausting, but man, that was like play. Yeah. So if you can find your play, mm-hmm. if you can find something that you're good at and you love to do. And you can get paid doing it, yeah. whether it's a lot or a little. It might be just enough to like live on. That's okay. You don't have to make a million dollars. Um, I'm reading Lucretius now, who's paraphrasing Euripides. Um, no, I'm gonna see Euripides. That's a uh, never mind. Um, but Lucretius says um, that it's best. The best life is the unobserved life. It's the life that's hidden. The more public you become, the more arrows. Hit you? Yeah. Okay. Um, Epicure. Uh, Epicurus. I'm sorry. Euripides. I'm, I'm getting my literatures uh, mixed up in my Greeks. Um, but he says so. The happiest are those that live obscurely but happy, who have lots of friends, who have enough to live on, and pursue the pleasures of life. Um, and I think that's great advice. Yeah. All
0: right. Is that good? Yeah. Yep. That's fine. Thank you for uh, hopping on. You're welcome. Thank you, sir. Um, this has been another episode of Critical Plug. I know it's not uh, on the wavelength of many other episodes, but it's all about the quality over quantity trend, if you know what I'm saying. But um, I don't know when the next episode is going to be, but uh, expect another one soon. All right. Have a nice day. Bye.